and Solemn Literary Press. I'm your host, Riley Bounds, and this is the Solemn Podcast, where we discuss and examine the intersection of the modern renaissances in evangelical literature, philosophy, and spiritual formation. Today, I'm excited to have Kenny Luck on the podcast. Kenny Luck is the leadership and teaching pastor at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California. He is an ECPA Platinum Award-winning author of 24 books covering marriage, family, and men's issues. Kenny has been a featured guest on Fox News and is a driving force behind the Everyman Global Livestream and podcasts heard around the world. He is currently on the Dangerous Good City Transformation Tour in cities across the country, empowering men to be dangerous with goodness and equipping them to have a positive impact on their families and communities. Joining Kenny on the Dangerous Good Tour are global worship leaders Brandon Lake of Maverick City and Bethel, Mac Brock of Elevation, Chris Davenport of Hillsong, Joshua Norwood of Resolve, and Chris Kilala of Jesus Culture. More information will be given in the show notes, including a link to pre-order overflow and a link to Everyman Ministries if you want to find out more. So Kenny, welcome and thanks for joining me today. Of course, Riley. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Uh, well, why don't you give us a little bit of information about uh, Overflow? Well, Overflow um, is a book on the Holy Spirit. And I wrote Overflow because I felt like that every one of us who name the name of Jesus, who have the presence of the Holy Spirit, that there is this, this longing to be a part of um, God's super story, this overarching tale that's not just for the cinema, not just for our Marvel heroes, but it's actually for us that God wants to use us, that there is a super humanity that we can participate in called the kingdom of God, where you can serve the good, you can defeat evil, you can have special power, you can defend the weak, you can deliver justice. And it's right there in front of us where we live, where we work, where we pray, where we play. And so that was the main reason why I wrote Overflow, that the Holy Spirit who resides in Christians wants to work in you, wants to work through you, and wants to shift the environments that you're placed in if you're aware of his presence and eager to cooperate with his work. Yeah, very good. Well, um, one of the things you talk about in the book is uh, how God gives believers spiritual authority. Um, now, how can Christians uh, use that authority in their daily life? Well, you know, when you read Matthew 16 and Jesus is talking about how the church is going to express itself, he, he he looks to these fellas and he just says, hey, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom here. And, and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth uh, will be loosed in heaven. And then he talks about this epic spiritual battle. He talks about the gates of hell not prevailing. And what's important for you know, our listeners uh, to know about even the reference, the gates of hell. The gates were where agendas were formed in cities in the first century. The gates were where politicians met. The gates were where the year and the calendar uh, was set for a, a given city. And so when Jesus makes that reference, the gates of hell will not prevail, he's directly referring to there's an agenda and there's God's agenda. And there's an agenda of hell that is against God and against God's purposes. And he's directly saying to the disciples, hey, look, you know what? You're a part of this larger super story, this epic drama between good and evil that's unfolding. 
and I'm going to empower you. I'm going to delegate my authority to you. And even the casual reader of the Gospels will see this, these fishermen. (laughs) I leave the pole here, and then all of a sudden they're on this journey. Well, Jesus says, get into the boat. And Mm -hmm. then they're casting out demons, and they're watching Jesus take authority over evil. They're watching him do miracles. Then all of a sudden, he's like, well, I did it, and you watched me do it. Now I want you to do it. And Mm -hmm. it's just the transformation of the role is so epic. And these are just normal people. But what does the Gospels, the example of Christ, teach us? That God wants to use us to shift the environments that we enter. And and that comes from Jesus' own example, his commissioning of the disciples, um, his, his message to all followers in Matthew 16, that he's handed us the keys to the kingdom to call down in the environments that we find ourselves in Mm -hmm. the purposes of his kingdom. And so that basic understanding of spiritual authority, that it's delegated, it's not yours, that in Christ you have, you have the freedom to use it. Now we just have to access it. Um, It reminds me of being in Chicago in the winter and, uh, there was a lot of people the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday on Michigan Avenue, and there was hundreds of people on a street corner, and we we jumped the light. We got a little too eager. We just and there was a there was a woman in in the outfit of the city of Chicago. She had her little vest on. She had a hat on. She had a whistle, and it was amazing. It was like watching an episode of Star Wars. She just stuck her hand out, and about three hundred people who started moving into the street. All of a sudden, we we moved back. And for me, I was watching that. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what 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 was that about? And he's like, you know what? That woman's invested with the authority of the city of Chicago. It's not hers, but she's got it. And she's mm-hmm. exercising it right now. And I thought, man, what a parable. What a parable for me as a follower of Christ that when I go into certain environments and situations that I have a delegated authority that in the name of Jesus, I can pray, I can call down the kingdom, ask for his kingdom to come, his will be done. And I can shift the environment will i see it immediately maybe maybe not but when i get to heaven i'll see it mm-hmm. and so we see dimly right now but we'll see clearly when we stand before jesus and stepping into that is the role and duty of a follower of jesus absolutely um well i wanted to i wanted to ask about this specific uh focus on men in your in your book yeah um, why why specifically do you uh, target men as the audience for this book? Yeah, I target men for, well, there's a lot of reasons. Um, culturally, men are kind of a, a white hot topic. You know, we have toxic masculinity. Uh, we have mm-hmm. very famous people getting uh, marched out there in the news media, digital media. And uh, if you follow the zeitgeist of culture at all, it's it's almost like men are the failed brand, you know. Don't mm. they don't grow up emotionally? Don't trust them uh, relationally, and God forbid, let them be strong in any way. Um, and for me, um, that's a disservice uh, to men. Not all men are like that. Not all men are are like uh, the ones we see abusing their power. But it does go to the issue of strength. And is strength the issue? Do we need Strong men in the fabric of our family, strong men in the fabric of our culture, strong men in the fabric of our community. And the answer is yes, not because I say it, but because Jesus himself 
was strong in the midst of his culture. You know, Jesus uh, lived at a time when men uh, were toxic as well. Um, they thought, thank God I'm not a woman. Thank God I'm not a kid. Thank God I'm, I'm not one of those Gentiles. You know, he lived in a very ethnocentric, male-dominated, patriarchal uh, culture. And guess what he started to do? He started to break the rules of the broken male culture that he's in. Filled with the spirit, he touched the ethnically unacceptable. He touched the morally unacceptable. He touched the physically unacceptable, the socially unacceptable. And I'm just crazy enough to believe, Riley, that if this is Jesus and Jesus is in me, this just might be me through the mm -hmm. presence and power of the Holy Spirit that's making me like him. And so I target men uh, for that reason, but I also target men because of the social justice implications. You know, you have 42 million sex slaves, their primary customer is men. You have epidemic fatherlessness. You have an orphan epidemic, mm -hmm. 174 million kids worldwide. And we have 700 million men on the planet who name the name of Jesus, who are affiliated with him at, at some degree or another. What would happen, Riley, if, you know, those same men were, were overflowing the spirit of Christ in the environments and in the relationships that they live in. So for me, mm -hmm. I truly believe that one transformed man can transform many things and shine the light of Christ where he is. Mm, beautiful. Um, one of the things that I noticed as I was reading through Overflow was this um, this focus on men's identity. And uh, I think that... Um, one of the goals of the book, if I can, if I can conjecture, would be that you're you're trying to give, or or outline the identity that God has given men, uh, and put it into accessible language for them to follow. Um, can you just kind of de describe what the identity of men might look like, or if I'm even on the right track here? Oh yeah, you're totally on the right track because Jesus spoke um, the language of identity. He would say, "You are," so you are light. You are salt. The Bible says that you are the fragrance of Christ. And the language is parabolic, right? Mm -hmm. But it's so effective. Like when Jesus says, you know, you're light, that's an identity. That's a self-perception, mm -hmm. right? That's how, how we're supposed to perceive ourselves. And when you just think of light, um, we're light by contrast. Contrast provides context for appreciating someone or, or something. And God's people are juxtaposed every day next to spiritual, circumstantial, and cultural darknesses mm -hmm. as people of light. And Jesus says, I'm putting you there. The context is darkness. And the context helps appreciate what looks different. And that's you. And I want you to bring out me for people to see. And in the simplest form uh, it's showing love for god and people in every context that we're in that brings him out for people to see um, in contrast to what they see in the world which is fully absorbed in self-importance mm -hmm. self-preservation uh, self-indulgence <laughs> to see a person in the midst of self-preservation self-importance and self-indulgence Loving God and loving others, sacrificially, um, courageously, and bravely, that's going to be a contrast. 
And so when Jesus says we're light, particularly to men, I think it appeals to just an ethos that's that's in all our hearts, and that's to be great and to do great things. Mm-hmm. And it's right in front of us. Again, this is not us getting on a boat and traveling to some foreign country to go be the hero mm-hmm. uh, versus the villain. Um, it's us being the light of Christ right where we are. There's enough context of darkness for light to be seen. And that's that's why I love your focus at Soul. I mean, just the modern renaissances, uh, spiritual movements, is that I really feel because of the darknesses that are connected or attached to men right now, I feel like a movement of spirit-empowered, light-filled men can be seen quite easily in this present cultural moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I think your book is so timely because um, I mean I can tell you that as a 29-year-old millennial uh, man, I I'm given very different ideas of what a man should be in the West today. Uh, right. On the one hand, I should be a hyper-masculine um, protector and uh, go-getter, and I need to provide for not only myself but for every, for everybody around me. I need to be the leader. On the other hand, um, I'm a toxic white male. And, um, you know, I need to change everything about me and there's nothing I can do to change about me. I'm inherently racist and so on and so forth. Um, So you hit the nail on the head. I'm so glad you brought that up. That that is super um, insightful because um, when it comes to masculinity, um, the greatest man who ever walked the planet was Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And. He he was alpha and he was omega, so he was he was tough. You have to be tough, you know, and to endure the nails. I mean, but but he was tender. One mm-hmm. provided context for the other. You know, it wasn't all tender. It wasn't all tough. He was um, service oriented. He was other focused, but mm-hmm. he was sacrificial. He was courageous. He was compassionate. And so when we look at what people are looking for in a man. They're not just looking for omega male. They're not just looking for alpha male who's strength without character. Got too many of those, right? The hypermasculine, the, the chest pounder, the, you know, the, 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 the caricature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what they're looking for is alpha and omega, you know, together in one person. And that's attractive. Everybody wants to be connected to a man um, like that. And so, you know, if you're, if you're looking for the culture to to define masculinity, either on both sides, um, you're you're gonna you're gonna end up having it out of context, um, and you're gonna you're gonna get into some problems. But what I love about being a follower of Jesus is that the mission of the Holy Spirit inside of us is to make us like Him, mm-hmm. right? First to give us a new identity, mm-hmm. yeah, and to make yeah. us like Christ. And so that's that's the focus here. Mm, yeah, great. Well. Um, Speaking to the, the identity that Christ now gives us, why do you think it's important for Christian men to stand up for those that are affected by different circumstances in their lives? Well, Jesus did it. I mean, that that was that was Christ. You know, when you look at him and you see um, in Luke four, where you have Jesus say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me, preach the gospel of the poor, sight to the blind, freedom to the you know, oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Those are literal conditions, but they're also spiritual and emotional 
conditions. And most of those people that are mentioned, poor, the blind, and the prisoner, mm-hmm. they're lonely. They're lonely. Mm-hmm. And they feel far from God. They feel like God doesn't see them. And you know what I love about Christ when you read the Gospels? Is that you can tell he hates loneliness. Mm-hmm. He really hates loneliness. He That's why he draws near you know, to the people who are marginalized, whether you're on the left or you're on the right. I mean, he's he's inviting tax collectors open. He's saying, Zacchaeus, I'm having dinner at your house. You know, and he's a popular guy at the moment, and he wants to be with them. And he's sending a message, which is, hey, the kingdom is open. The hmm. table is open. I'm for everyone. And when people are in need, when they're Um, made to feel lonely through any kind of isolation, circumstantial isolation, um, emotional isolation, anxiety, depression. You know, I know that my God has a heart for them. And it's not hard to do to just show up and be present and be a friend and ask questions and go have a cup of coffee and see and know and appreciate someone Because the devil is also in that game, by the way. He loves isolation and loneliness. And he loves the self-perceptions and lies that he can get someone to think about themselves and then to act that out. So either I'm seen, I'm loved, I'm known, and I'm appreciated. Or I'm isolated and I'm lonely and I'm not worth anybody's time. Now, Mm -hmm. into that mix comes spiritual warfare. And here I am a person who is in the same battle, I can come alongside those who are affected by circumstances, whether that's somebody who's hungry, somebody who's naked, somebody who's emotionally hungry, someone Mm -hmm. who's emotionally feeling down, and I can be the solution, and it's not hard to do. So I see Jesus. I see how he his rhythm of coming into spaces that, that where people feel marginalized or lonely. And I just watch how he does it. And and if, if that's Jesus and Jesus isn't me, that's supposed to be me. Mm. Yeah, and I think that, that partially answers the next question. Um, but how just practically would you advise men uh, to be light in such a dark place like our world is now? Yeah, I, I just think, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, just to be mindful. Uh, to be mindful of, you know, eternity and that there's a supernatural reality connected to your life. You're a part of the super story, the the overarching tale, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not something we pay 20 bucks to go sit in the theaters to participate in vicariously. It's a real thing. And so just to be mindful that there's God, there's you. There's limited time. We have an unknown ending and we have a scheduled meeting with our maker. But between now and then, there are opportunities for significance. I mean, I I even think of you, you know, you're a middle school uh, teacher. And oh, my Lord, you have all those little lives (laughs) that are next to you. And I know they probably annoy you uh, (laughs) quite a bit um, because of whatever reason. I know I was pretty annoying when I was in junior high and high school. Um, But, you know. So, but you're alive now, you're in that space, you're with those people for God's purpose and for God's intention. He does not make mistakes. 
He's in charge. You're there. They're there. Now the question is, what is my purpose? So um, when it comes to being light uh, in the spaces and places where we find ourselves, we have to demystify it. We have to uncomplicate it and just say, where am I? What am I doing? Who am I with? And what does God want to do? And what's the next right thing to show love for him or for people in my context? And again, there's that word context mm-hmm. in your context riley it's my context but if all of us in our contexts have that focus we're going to make an impact yeah no and i i appreciate that you um you say that we don't have to like cross the ocean and go be a missionary in uh, africa right. or zimbabwe or something you know for right. us to really have like significance uh we can have significance we can have an impact for the kingdom of christ where we are now and that's really what we're called to do it seems so 100 percent. yeah um well another thing is that you talk about uh in the book the importance of embracing god's encouragement for us and then extending that encouragement to others yeah so why do you think right now especially that encouragement is so desperately needed oh my goodness i was standing in line at trader joe's i don't know if they have trader joe's in arizona but they do do. yeah i'm standing in line at trader joe's just just after kind of some of the restrictions lifted here in the in, in California, which would, might have been a little bit later than some other states, but um, and I, you can see people's faces, and and I believe I believe something to be true, and I act on it, and that is that people are like icebergs; you only see the tip underneath mm-hmm. the waterline of their face or their life. There's a lot of stuff going on in there, and I just said to this person in line, this lady, I said, "Wow, it's so nice to see a face." Yep. And she, you, you, it was literally like untapping a dam. She goes, I know. I just, I, you know, they, people can't see you smile. And, and we got in this nice little conversation in line at Trader Joe's. But especially at this time when coming out of a global pandemic, coming out of isolation, coming out of, of all this polarization, you know, people are struggling and, you know, the sociologists tell us that nine out of 10 people that you bump into have a problem in their life they would desperately like resolve. So if you go with that operating assumption, it's safe to say, man, it's nice to see your face, somebody's face. Um, mm-hmm. How are you doing? Um, you know, isn't the weather great? And they're so eager to talk. And under the waterline, we have to know, and I think... Um, all your listeners can appreciate this, that on any given day, there's anxiety, there's depression, there's um, trauma. I mean, Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. You know, um, when you step into somebody's life, you could be that take heart person Mm -hmm. where they get to overcome just the battle for that day. Mm -hmm. And so if oxygen is necessary for physical life, encouragement, is necessary for a healthy emotional life and we've been encouraged by the lord now we just need to take a risk in faith sometimes mm-hmm. open our mouths be normal just <laughs> ask how people are going how they're mm-hmm. doing yeah yeah well one, one of the things that um has to transpire in as we change our identity for Christ as the Holy spirit has to indwell us. So that's easier said than done. 
I think, especially noticing the presence of the Holy Spirit in any given moment. Um, so what are just some ways, for one, that we can be available to the presence of the Holy Spirit, but also to notice it when it comes along? Yeah, I think you have to demystify this. I, I always say, um, you know, that we're supposed to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. And, mm -hmm. all and so God is active in the mind just the same way that the flesh is active in the mind, just the same way evil is active in the mind. This this little space between our ears is fair game, okay, for world, flesh, devil, Holy Spirit. Now, we have to train ourselves through spiritual disciplines, through knowing God's word, knowing ourselves, to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. What, what are the promptings of the Holy Spirit? What are the leadings of the Holy Spirit? How do we partner with the Holy Spirit? So let's let's just demystify it for everybody, you and me. If there is an inclination or a thought that says, do this, and in doing this, that'll show love for God, or do this, and in doing that, that will show love for people or advance God's purposes, it's a pretty safe bet that that's the Holy Spirit especially if you can corroborate it in God's word. Mm -hmm. And so if someone needs help and you want to, and you feel this inclination, boy, I should really help that person. Well, the Bible says the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Go ahead mm -hmm. and lean into that and see what happens. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, if you feel the inclination to pull over and help somebody change a tire, Hey, that's probably the Holy spirit. It's going to cost you. You're not going to get to wherever you were going in the time that you thought you did. You might be late for an appointment, but that's the Holy Spirit. In this situation, do I do I stay or do I go? Do I do I believe that I'm strong enough to survive this temptation? Or do I remove the pressure of that temptation by physically taking my body out of that space so that I can preserve my relationship with God through not sinning? Mm -hmm. You know? And it's, I think it's just practice where the goal for the Christian, and we're all on a spiritual journey, the goal for the Christian is to actually know God's thoughts, learn God's ways, and then when those come to mind, to follow what you hear, God's thoughts, through God's word and the example of Christ, and to to do God's way. And, and over time, you know, here I'm talking to you, I'm 38 years into walking with Jesus. Um, my, my, my miracle ear for the Holy spirit has been turned up over that span of time mm -hmm. because of the bad decisions I've made and not listening to the prompting and leading of the Holy spirit. So to demystify it, it's man, if, if you get a thought in your brain that says, Hey, this will show love for God and people just start practicing that in the spaces and places where you are and leave it at that act on it in faith Commit before knowing the outcome, and you're going to train yourself in listening, hearing, and acting on the voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm, yeah. Well, thank you for that, because that's actually personally helpful for me, too. So um, so one of the things, and this is tying back into what you said about the opportunity to serve others. Um, uh, one of the things that you mentioned is that there's, a, there's, a, there's an opportunity always to serve others, and we should capture them before they stop existing before yeah. the opportunities go away so would you mind just unpacking that a, a bit sure. 
Um, you know, Jesus, it, the best thing to do is just go right to the gospel, right? You remember when Jesus says, as long as it is day, mm -hmm. I must work the works of him who sent me for night is coming when no mm -hmm. man. Can and what I like to say, especially to men is guys, we have limited time. We have an unknown ending and we have a scheduled meeting with our maker, not for salvation. But just to review the life we've been given, what did we do with the life and the opportunities that God that God gave us? And I think that urgency um, and that mystery of, hey, today might be my last day. I was coming home from an angel game. I live in Southern California. We go see the angels. I was coming home from an angel game a few years ago, and I've, I've been to many angels games. And I've, I've driven the five freeway to the 57 and gotten off at Chapman and then drove it back the exact way hundreds of times over the last 30 years. But on this particular night, I didn't know there was a young woman who was drinking excessive amounts of alcohol in an apartment in a city near where I was. I didn't know that she would be making a left-hand turn and would blow through a stop sign and hit me head on. Mm. And I had... I had friends in the car. My wife was in the passenger seat and she was going 55 miles an hour. Wow. Right. And I thought, Oh, after she hit us and I just swerved just enough so that it wasn't a direct head on collision. And as my, my, my car is going over the median as glass is flying. It's like, it's like the matrix. It's like it's everything slowed down. And I thought, Oh, this is what it's like to die. Mm -hmm. plan on that mm -hmm. you do not know and that's why the bible encourages us teach us to number our days all right right it teach us to count the day the moment you know even jesus just like hey tomorrow's gonna take care of itself do today good mm -hmm. you know let's let's focus on today so we have opportunities and you know either we're going to experience the, the pain of discipline as we manage our choices on a daily basis, or when we get to heaven, the pain of regret. There is, mm -hmm. It's not like when we get before the Lord, like, oh, you know, there's this etch-a-sketch and it, it, the, the board is set, set right. No, we actually are going to be able to think, oh, my gosh, I, I, I wish I would have taken advantage of that, you know, mm -hmm. that time. It's not like we lose all that cognition. And, and so my encouragement is to just take those opportunities to serve others before, who knows, you know, yeah. God might call you home or, or, or he might come back. I don't know. But the, the, the message of Jesus is, hey, when you got daylight, do the work that, that you've been sent to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, as we um, learn more to serve and how to serve God um, by becoming more like him through the Holy Spirit, um, we need to know like what that really looks like. So one of the terms that you use frequently throughout uh, Overflow is this spirit-empowered man. Now, what attributes does that spirit-empowered man actually have? What does he look like? Yeah, um, well, a spirit-empowered man most importantly is like christ and so that's the holy spirit's mission in our lives in in romans 8 29 it says for whom he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn 
among many brothers. And so Jesus is the mold. And then we're sons of the king. And God wants us to have the family resemblance. And so a spirit-empowered man, first and foremost, he's like Christ. Right? Well, hmm. what what's what's Christ like? Well, he 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 loves well. He sees others well. He's brave in seeing and loving others well. When you when you read in the scripture, the fruit of the spirit, that's that's Jesus too. When you read the definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. You can just put Jesus's name in there. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is not rude. And, and so when, when we talk about spirit-empowered men, um, that's, it's Jesus, number one. But then when you see them in the book of Acts, wow, what, what are they doing, right? They're going into these little spaces and places whether it's a lame guy outside the church and it's it's Peter and John who say silver and gold, I don't have you, but we're going to give you what I have in the name of Jesus. And they they pray over that man and a miracle happens. Or you, you see widows in need, both Greek and Jew widows. And what are the dudes doing? They're like, all right, we're going to split you up into teams and you're going to go do that. And we're going to make sure. Their needs are met. Their 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 loads are going to be reduced. Their pain is going to be relieved. Their spirits are going to be raised. Their souls are going to be reached. So you see in Jesus, and you see in the men of Pentecost, who were filled with the Spirit. What what do you see? Man, they relieve pain. They reduce loads. They raise spirits. They encourage. Mm-hmm. Right. And they reach souls. And so that's the template of scripture of what it means to be spirit and power right now piggybacking off what you just said about the uh, relieving pain aspect in our walk with christ can you just explain how that would work like how the holy spirit wants to work through us in order to relieve others pain yeah i this is good um i think all everybody listening to us right now would agree that everybody's worried about something Mm. i mean i mean example like a single mom we just kind of threw that out there as a test case and go, well, it's a single mom. Well, she's, she's worried about money. Maybe she's working a couple of jobs. Uh, she's certainly worried about not having a, you know, a husband in the house to be a model for her son or, or whatever. So there's all of us in our context, there's some things that, that, that we worry about. And the Holy spirit in a man channels meaningful help through that man. Take my single mom example. This was a, a thing I did with my kids for years. We just collect change throughout the whole year. I know that there's single women in our community. And I knew a gal who had a ministry to single moms. And so I'd, I'd ask her before Christmas, I'm like, give me the name. Give me the names of the kids. Give me their ages, right? And uh, the lux are going to count the change in little jars all through the house that we've been keeping all year and then the kids are going to take that to the bank they're going to convert it to cash we're going to get the list they're going to go shop and then i would take my son and we'd play ding dong ditch at a house we'd we'd, you know we knock on the door and on the porch would be christmas but we don't want you know it i know what her name is i know what her concern is and it's just uh, that's just a simple example of someone's context 
what they're worried about most likely and what a family or individuals can do. And there's, there's so many opportunities. If we're just, if our eyes are open to relieve some of the load and that's what Jesus did again, this is Jesus. Um, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Just providing some rest for somebody in a dimension of their life where we know that we know they need help and they're probably too humble to ask for it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. That's what God does. He lavishes grace upon us and we can lavish relief on others. Yeah, no, that's really beautiful. And it's, it's just so inspiring. Um, Cause even as a, as seasoned Christians, sometimes we, we don't see those opportunities um so it, it, it's a i think it's, a, it's just a really important reminder that we we have that opportunity that they're always before us and we need to notice them yeah and people we appreciate i mean riley you and i we both appreciate when we're we're burdened and somebody's set of hands comes underneath our mm-hmm. life somebody says hey let's go get a cup of coffee and hey can i pray for you and uh and it mm-hmm. could be just as simple as that it's like how's it going stay for the answer ask a second or third question and just say hey i'm gonna pray for you right now Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely well as we wrap up here kenny um how do you just hope that the book is going to resonate with readers just generally um so i i i hope that when people read overflow that this whole idea of the supernatural becomes super natural mm-hmm. you know what i mean where it's let's let's not complicate the supernatural the kingdom of god jesus said is advancing forcefully and forceful men lay hold of it it's happening it it's that whole chronicles of narnia parable there's the material and that which we see and then there's that which is unseen and that's more real than what we see and if you're able to embrace that that there is a loving creator He's placed you on the planet right where you are with the people that you're with and that he has a super story, an overarching tale for you to to be great and to do great things in the kingdom that's right there. Embrace that and then in faith, step into it and you're going to have to commit before you know, because that's what faith is. You commit before knowing you can't know before the fact that supernatural things are going on. But I will just tell you that the big wheels of supernatural movement in others' lives happen on the small, they turn on the small axles of the choices of God's people. Hmm. You, you might not even know the impact, but I think we've all experienced maybe someone coming up to us. You might not remember me or, you know, we, we met each other way back when, and, you know, you, you encountered. And, you know, since that time, and at the time, you were just like, this is just a small thing. But for mm-hmm. them, it turned the big axle of transformation in their life, and you had no idea. So my hope is that the supernatural, which is a big thing, just becomes supernatural as we understand our identity. And as we understand our identity, we know where to put our energy. And then that that energy leads to this expression of the Holy Spirit coming out of us in the character of Christ and shifting 
relationships and environments forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really do appreciate that. The things that you mentioned are really small. I mean, they're so they're small, but they're so significant. Uh, I remember a few years back, I, I was going through a particularly rough period and um, somebody was an old friend of mine and he texted me after a couple of years of not seeing him and he just said, Merry Christmas. Oh. And that was that that really did a lot for me. So, wow. Something so small did so much. Yeah. So. So, yeah, that, that really resonates with me. The whole uh, running on running on the rails of uh, of smaller lives. You know. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Mm -hmm. that, that's a big principle. Little little choices. Well, I mean, even in my own life, I'll just anecdote right here. Mm -hmm. um, my seventh grade English teacher called my house, and this is back in 1976 with no, so, you know, smartphones or digital technology, and mm -hmm. someone had to answer, and my sister did, and my sister was really smart, and she said, "Your little brother's failing out of seventh grade. You got to help him." Mm -hmm. And her decision to do that was the small axle upon which the big wheel of my academics turn in mm -hmm. high school. You know, I went to UCLA. I met my wife. I mean, the dominoes just started to fall. I went from a failing student to an A student because somebody stepped in and cared. And it changed the arc of my entire life. I can point to that, Riley, and I can just say, wow, they they, they cared. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't lay that on you because you're a teacher. No. <laughs> but... Yeah. Those lives, I mean, they they look to you, and your words are matter, and and your ability to plant little seeds of vision and encouragement in their little lives, just like your little text, mm -hmm. very meaningful. Definitely, yeah. Well, um, lastly, Kenny, we are told to be uh, salt and light for Christ. Um, I think it'd be helpful for us to say what that means, um, but then. Just what are some ways that we can be salt and light for Christ? Yeah, I think we I think we unpack light just a little bit. Um, you know, it's light by contrast. You know, we live in a dark world. And when we make choices for light, loving God, loving others, instead of loving self and loving the world, that's an easy filter for how you can stand out in a dark world. Love God, love people, love his purposes. You'll stand out immediately and act on them. Um, mm -hmm. when, when the Bible talks about being salt, there's so many uses for salt, but I think the, the, the parable, um, of just the seasoning, the flavor being sprinkled in to something, salt draws out flavor, salt enhances things, salt mm -hmm. preserves and protects. Um, we're in the mix for a reason mm -hmm. and we're in the mix that we're in for specific reasons. And so the picture is of influence when uh, on the light thing, Jesus says, you know, you put a light on a lampstand in the first century. It was inky black in a house. There's no street lights, no ambient light, no electricity. So they made a lampstand and you put it in the optimal spot to cast the most light and mm -hmm. to reach the most space. Well, all of us have our specific lampstand that God has given us we are optimally placed to shine the light of Christ. Whether you're in a middle school academy, whether you're in a church, whether you're a construction dude, God doesn't mess around. 
where mm -hmm. he puts our lampstand, you know, and then on the salt aspect, we just have to see that as our identity and just know that it's not a question of, am I a person of influence? That's not the question. The question is what kind of influence am I having? And that I'm commissioned by God to flavor, enhance, protect, right? Salt the environments that I'm in for his glory. And so mm. there's a variety of ways to do it. And the easiest way we've talked about in this time together is just do that next thing that's going to show love for God and love for others. Absolutely. Well, Kenny, I uh, just so appreciate you coming on today and making the time. Uh, and thank you uh, for sharing a bit about your book. And I do pray for the success of it and that it reaches the right hands. Wow. So, thank you so yeah. much, Riley. Yeah, thank you. All righty. And thank you for listening. Bye-bye.